Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. It's a new season and it's coming to me. I believe that with all of my hearts. I believe that all the plowing, all the sowing is about to come to fruition. Going up a farm in western Oklahoma, we realize that before you reap a crop, you've got to prepare the soil, you've got to plant the seed, you've got to pray for water and rain, and then in due season, God brings the harvest. Folks, I believe we're right there on the edge of the harvest. I can, I can see it in my mind, just like the wheat fields in western Oklahoma. In May, that wheat is growing and the heads of that wheat are starting to fill with grain. At the end of May, it start, start turning from green to uh, a little bit golden. And by mid-June or the end of June, that wheat is completely golden. The head is full of grain and it's bent over like this. And it's time to put the combine in the field because harvest is here. Folks, I'm telling you today, hear me. It's time. The heads are turning. God is doing something mighty and miraculous. Invite everybody you know. Where are we going to go? I don't know, but we're going to follow God. What are we going to see? I can't even imagine, but we're going to follow God. Oh, come on, a season of prosperity and change. Every new season brings either fear or faith. And I know some are fearful, but I'm telling you, I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to follow the presence of the Most High God. I'm going to go where I've never gone before. I'm going to see what I've never seen before because it is a new season. It's a new day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to shout amen. Well, that was pretty weak. I said somebody ought to shout amen. Amen. God is able. God is able. Obedience always exceeds ability. Take your Bible, turn with me to the book of Judges chapter 6. We'll read script, several scriptures uh, as we walk through this message, so keep your Bible open. Beginning in verse 12, the Bible says, and, and the context is that the Israelites had turned away from God. They'd begin once again, again serving the gods of that region, which were Baal and Ashtoreth. And as they served those gods, God allowed the Midianites and the Amicalites, their historical enemies, to come in and begin oppressing them and persecuting them. They were so pressed down, so persecuted, so oppressed, that they had fled their homes because it wasn't safe. And they were living in caves in the mountains. They feared for their very life every single day because of their enemies. And as a result, they cowered in fear until one day they began to cry out to God. And when they cried out to God, then God found a young man by the name of Gideon, probably the most likely deliverer in the scripture, the most likely individual to ever be used of God. So read the scripture with me, beginning in verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. 
You can also translate mighty man of valor as mighty warrior. Now, I want you to understand this and see this, picture this in your mind. Here's this young man who's in a hole in the ground, grinding some wheat or corn into meal so they could cook and have something to eat. He's covered up. He's hidden. He doesn't want the Midianites, the Amalekites, the enemies to see him. He's living in complete fear as well as the nation he's a part of. And in that moment, God says to him, you're a mighty man of valor. You're a great warrior. He didn't have a sword. He didn't have a spear. He didn't have a shield. He had never fought a single battle. All he had ever done was run from his enemies. But God sees something in him that he couldn't see. Listen to me this morning. God sees something in you today that you can't see. And when God looks at us and when God sees into our lives, he always sees the best. Notice in the scripture, God didn't say to Gideon, hey, coward, I'm going to help you get out of that hole in the ground, grow up, be a man, get a spine. He didn't say, you yelly-bellied coward, get out of there. He said, no, you're a mighty man of valor. Listen to me and listen closely. God never condemns you. Never. Condemnation comes from Satan. Satan would say to Gideon, you're whipped, you're oppressed, you're beat. All you can do is hide in a hole in the ground and hope that maybe something will happen and you'll get some relief. That's what the devil says. The devil says you're a coward. The devil says you can't do it. The devil says you have no weaponry, no training, no experience in warfare. You can't do it. Condemnation. But God says, I see you where you're at, but I'm not leaving you there. You're a mighty man of valor. Oh, somebody needs to get it in their spirit today. He is a mighty warrior. That's what the angel of the Lord said to him. You're a mighty warrior. I don't know what thoughts you have been allowing to run around in your head. But I'm here to tell you, if they're not thoughts of God's best for your life, they are not from the Spirit of God. And if you want to move into a new season, if you want to move into a new day, you've got to take those thoughts captive. And you've got to make them leave your mind by the power of God that's in you. Come on, stop looking in the mirror and seeing your failures, your faults, the things you can't do or haven't done or want to do but couldn't do and see what God says in your life. God's calling some of you in this room today to stand up and step up. He's telling you it's time to get out of the pit you've been hiding in. Listen to me. We may not have a hole in the ground we hide in, but we come in late and leave early so nobody notices us. We refuse to serve because somebody might see us. We don't want anyone to know our name, our problems, our history. I'm here to tell you God knows all that, and he's still saying to you, you're a mighty person of valor, a courageous warrior. Stand up and get in the fight. Stop sitting on the sidelines and moaning, groaning your fate. And get in the fight today. The angel of the Lord said, the Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. Verse 14. Excuse me, verse 13. And Gideon said, oh my Lord, 
If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. I want you to see a transition here. When Gideon acknowledged him as Lord, the first word that was translated Lord in verse 13 is Adonai. He's saying, you're the creator of the universe, the all-power, all-wonderful God. When he uses Lord, it's Adonai, when you look at the Hebrew. And then he goes on to say, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? That word is Jehovah, the mighty God, the God of Israel, the common name that the Israelites always called their God, Jehovah. And when you look at that and watch it and follow it through, now I want you to look at verse 14 and catch this. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall have Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Notice the transition. When you look at it in verse 12, it's the angel of the Lord. When you look at it in verse 14, the Lord said to him, and that's Jehovah. Folks, hear me. The closer you get to him, the more you talk to him, the more you read his word, the more you seek his presence, he is removed from you and just being a representation of God. Angel of the Lord means messenger from God. He is removed from being the messenger of God to being the Lord of your life, to being Jehovah, to watching over you. I've come to tell you this morning, his name is Jehovah Jireh. He always provides. He is Jehovah Nisi. His banner over me is victory. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is my healer. He is Jehovah Shalom. He is my peace. Somebody, get it in your spirit today. See yourself as God sees you and begin walking towards him. Begin talking to him. Because the closer you get to God, the greater revelation you will have of who he is. The greater understanding you will have of what he can do and what he has said in your life. But if you sit on the sidelines, you crack open your Bible only on Sunday morning, or you pull out your device and turn to you verse on Sunday morning. You never look at it through the week. You never stop to pray. You never stop to think about what God has done for you and what he wants to do for you. Then you will never have a greater revelation of who Jehovah really is. But when you begin to move towards him, when you begin to seek him, when you've been reading his word and talking to him, that's all prayer is. It's talking to God. Then you receive greater revelation of what he wants to do in and over your life. Greater revelation. The closer we get to the master, the greater we know him, the more revelation we have of him, what he wants to do in us and through us. So in this pit, the angel of the Lord speaks to Gideon. Now you need to understand that Gideon, his family, all of Israel, had turned their back on God, And they were worshiping a false god, actually two false gods. Talks about Baal, who is a god of the region. And when you see Baal, his statue, it's of a raging bull. But what you need to understand is they weren't just worshiping an image. They were worshiping the demonic spirit behind that image. And the demonic spirit behind that image was guiding and controlling. What do you think Satan does? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Anytime you bow your knee to a demonic image like that, you can expect, expect that somebody to come in and steal all you have, destroy a relationship, and kill your life in God. 
Well, I love the way you're shouting now. Thank you, Eric, and one other person. It's time to understand that Gideon, his family, the Israelites, turned their back on God, were worshiping a false idol, and God is calling them back. He's calling them back. When God spoke to Gideon, when the angel of the Lord, I need to say this, I missed it, but I want to say it. In the Old Testament, where you see the phrase angel of the Lord, or the Lord appeared to someone, do you know who that is? It's Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ. It's called a theophany in theological terms. And each time you see that, it's Christ, Jesus, who is ministering to these people. What is his eternal name? It's not Jesus Christ. His eternal name is the Word. John 1.1 said, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. Oh, come on, folks, we need to understand Jesus didn't just appear as a babe in a manger. He has been God eternal forever and ever and ever. We gave him the name Jesus through Mary and Joseph, but God calls him the Word. And when the Word speaks, something's going to happen. He sent his Word to heal you. He made the way through his Word. The Word spoke the worlds into existence. Oh, somebody, hear me. I'm not talking about some namby-pamby God. I'm talking about Jesus Christ, the Word, the creator of the universe. You know what brought the change in Gideon's life? It was the acknowledgement of who he was talking to. It was the confession of who he was talking to. You are Adonai. You are Jehovah. It's interesting then in the next verse, verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, not the angel of the Lord, the Lord turned to him. Because the closer you get to him, the greater your revelation, and it begins to blow your mind. The Lord said to him, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? You know what the Lord was doing? You know what the Word was doing in this story? He was taking the least likely, the overlooked, the dismissed, and elevating them to a position of great power and victory. I'm telling you this morning, God doesn't want to live you, in, you to live in oppression. He doesn't want Satan to get the best of you every single day. He wants you to be able to come out of the pit that you've been in, stand on the rock of Jesus Christ, and declare, that may be where I once was, that may be what I once was, but today, by the power of the Word of God, I am not the same. I have a destiny. I have a future. I have a promise, and I'm going to follow Him. Amen. Paul wrote that in confirms that in 1 Corinthians chapter 26 verses chapter 1 verses 26 and 27. I don't have time to go through it all, but it says that God chooses the foolish things to shame the wise and the weak things to shame the strong. You may think you're weak, but God sees what you really are. You may think you're spineless and fearful, but I'm here to tell you, Holy Spirit of God is in this room today to put a steel spine in your back that enables you to stand up and declare, this is the way, walk ye in it. There is only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ, His Son. It enables you to shuck off those false doctrines and teachings. And that leads us to number two. God told Gideon he needed to 
tear down the altar of Baal and cut down the pole beside it. The pole beside it represented Ashtaroth, who's the goddess of fertility. They were always together. Ashtaroth was a very evil, evil, demonic force as well. And we look at that and we say, but we don't have any idols in our lives. Sure we do. They just don't look like a bull or a tall wooden pole with carvings on it. There are idols that are absolutely, denom absolutely dominating our culture. For too long, we have had wealth and status and success as an idol in our life. I got to climb that ladder and get all the way to the top. That's my idol. We sacrifice our children, our families, our time with God at the altar of success. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with success. Success, there's not. But when God brings it into your life, you don't sacrifice anything. Your family doesn't suffer. Your kids don't think they're fatherless or motherless. They understand that God is blessing you in a way that's absolutely impossible to describe. And he's bringing success into your life. There's nothing wrong with it as long as you're following God. And then it was the pole of Ashtoreth. Ashtoreth was a goddess of sexuality. Prostitution was involved in her worship. Listen to me. These false gods took sexuality out of marriage and brought it into the marketplace. And we're in the same place today where we're seeing these sensual, sexual things coming into our lives at every turn. Everything today is sold by sexuality. Everything. We need to understand that is a false god that needs to be torn down and ex absolutely excised from our life. So Gideon got ten of his servants. They went out at night because he was too scared to do it in the daytime. He went out at night and they destroyed the altar of Baal. They cut down the Ashtoreth pole. They built an altar to God, and I love this part. They used the wood from the pole to light the sacrifice to the living God. Oh, come on, somebody. He wants to light on fire those things you have been serving. <clears throat> he wants to burn them up and remove them from your life. It's up to you to say, God, I will not serve alcohol any longer. I will not serve drugs any longer. I love Sarah's testimony. She told me that a week ago Wednesday night. She had smoked weed her entire life. But when God touched her two weeks ago today, she hasn't touched a joint since. She's been delivered and set free. See, the false gods, the idols that we live with can be burned from our life when we give them to God. When we cut it off and cut it down. People say, well, I just can't help myself. Sure you can. You just don't want to help yourself. They say, I can't live without it. Sure you can. You just don't want to trust God. Oh, somebody needs to hear me this morning. It's time to cut down the idols that are in your life. Idols were not acceptable then, and they're not acceptable now. Time to remove them from our life. We cannot serve two masters. We cannot carry out the commission of Christ while we're serving idols at the same time. It just doesn't work. Number three, we have to learn to overcome fear. Gideon was scared. Look at Judges chapter 6, verses 13 through 16. It says, And Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? 
And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into his hands. Read that twice today. I want you to hear it. Verse 14, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Is that not an unusual statement? Gideon, his might? He had no might. Gideon was a coward. You know what God is saying? A change is about to occur. The way you think, the way you act, the way you carry out your life is about to change. Go in this your might. Oh, come on, folks, hear me. We have no place for fear, no reason to fear. There is no room for fear in this church. We give it to God, and God then says, go in your might. Go in your might that I have given to you, and I will help you. Verse 15, so he said to him, oh, my Lord, listen, listen, he's still still bargaining, still trying to get out of it. Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. In other words, everybody overlooks me. Nobody sees value in me. No one thinks that I can do anything above what I'm doing right now. My destiny is to stay in a pit and grind meal so we can eat. That's what Gideon is saying to the angel of the Lord, to the Lord. That's not my destiny. What you're saying doesn't equate with who I am and what I'm doing. Listen, God's saying this to some of you in this room today. Because you use the same excuse. You said, I can't do it because of this. I can't press in because of this. Don't you understand I have young children and I can't come to church because I can't get them ready in time. Don't you understand? I I don't want to submit to the authority of God to the point where it revolutionizes my life. Gideon is making excuses so he thinks he doesn't have to follow God. How can that be? My tribe is the least in Manasseh. My clan, my father's house is the very least. Verse 16, and the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you will defeat the Midianites as one man. Well, that's a powerful statement. He didn't say with an army, he said as one man. See, victory comes through our obedience. And when we choose to hear the voice of God, seeing us who we are, declaring His power over our lives, destroying every idol that we have held on to, Then we overcome our fear, and we hear God saying something like, you're going to destroy the enemy as one man. You know how many Midianites there were? Amicalites, the army that Gary gathered against them? 120,000. And he said, you're going to destroy them as if they were only one. That's the power of God. See, that's the multiplication aspect of the Spirit of God. When we submit to Him, we see this huge army, these huge enemies against them. But when we surrender to Him, overcome our fear, then we move into an arena where every one of them fall. Everyone. Three times in the next few verses, Gideon was trying to make sure this was right. Three times he asked God for a sign, and each time God gave him what he asked. He was gracious. 
And when we read the life of Gideon, it proves the guidance of God will enable us to grow and become stronger and fight the battles that are before us. Number, number four, the last thing I want to tell you this morning. It's found in Judges chapter 7, verses 2 through 7. When we see ourselves as God sees us, when we cast down and cut out the idols that are in our life, when we overcome our fear by the word of the Spirit of God, then our little becomes a lot. What insignificant things we have becomes huge in our life. Notice, God isn't looking at his qualifications. Gideon was whooped, defeated, scared, a coward hiding for his very life. He wasn't looking at his qualifications. He wasn't looking at what he had done. He was simply looking for obedience. Because obedience always exceeds ability. Somebody needs to hear that. Maybe online you need to hear that this morning. Obedience always exceeds ability. Every single time. And when you look at this, our little becomes a lot. You recognize this is a scriptural principle. Because it's taught throughout the Bible. In 1 Kings chapter 17, Elijah came to the widow of Zarephath. And he asked her to bake him a cake. And she said, I've got a little oil and a little meal. I'm going to bake the last of it. My son and I are going to eat it and then we're going to die. And Elijah said, bake me a cake and see what God will do. And when she obeyed, then you read the story that little bit of meal and that little bit of oil never ran dry through that time of famine. Your little becomes a lot when you give it to God. You can read also in 2 Kings chapter 4, the widow of the prophets. Her husband had died. She had debt. And she's told the man of God, the creditors are coming to take my two sons, to put them into slavery, to pay off my debts. You know what the prophet said? He said, gather every vessel you have. Every vessel you have. She said, I've just got a little oil. Gather every vessel you have. Go borrow them from your neighbors. Borrow them from your enemies. Get every vessel you have, and you begin to pour that little bit of oil into those vessels, and when they're all full, you can take them and sell them and pay off the debt to the creditors, and your family is preserved. Oh, somebody hear me today. It's time to stop hoarding the little and gather every vessel and begin pouring what I have into it. And when I begin to pour, it never runs dry until every vessel is full. Then I can take them, and I can settle the debts of the enemy and see God do good things in my life. Come on, it's time to believe God. Well, that's Old Testament. Well, if you want a New Testament example, I'll give you two. When Jesus saw that the crowd of 5,000 men were hungry and there was no place to go get bread to feed them, he said to the disciples, what do you have? And they said, well, we found a little boy that has five loaves and two fishes. Five small loaves about this long. And probably the fish were about this long too. Probably they'd been dried in the sun. They were nasty to eat. I've eaten those and they are nasty, I'm telling you. Everything of the fish is still there. Nasty. And they said, that's all we got is five small barley loaves and two fishes. Jesus said, bring them to me. You know what he did? He broke them. He blessed them, pardon me. Then he broke them and he told them to distribute them. 
and there was enough to feed 5,000 men plus their wives and their children. And there were fragments remaining for the disciples to eat as well. Oh, I'm telling you, God's a God of multiplication. When you take what little you have and you give it to him, he does mighty things in your life. See, people hear that and they say, oh, he's preaching prosperity. No, I'm not. I'm not even talking about money. I'm talking about what you have inside of you. I'm talking about that little that you think is insignificant and that God can't do anything with it. I'm challenging you this morning to take the little you have, give it to God, and watch it become a lot. I told you I grew up in western Oklahoma. I haven't told you that I was very, very shy as a kid. When I was 18, I took a course in sales for the company I was working for. At that point, I realized I've got a great memory because they popped up 20 faces and 20 names for about 20 seconds. And then you had to recite every one of them. I got them all right. I'm thinking, wow, God, that's pretty impressive. I didn't know I had that in me. And then through the years, as I began to following him, I was called into ministry. Nobody, well, I take that back. My brother-in-law was a pastor. But nobody in my immediate family or down through the generations except my great-great-grandfather had ever been a minister. And I began to say, God, it's impossible. I don't have the skills. I don't have the talents. I don't have the abilities. And he brought that sales course back to me. And he said, if you'll give me your little, I'm going to expand it. And throughout today, it amazes me. People say all the time, how do you remember our names? It's just a gift of God. But God has taken my little. He's made it into a lot. The first sermon I preached was six minutes long. And you know how I ended it? God's going to be faithful till the cows come home. That was to a congregation in the city, and they were looking at me like, what planet did you fall off of? You know, one of the things I love doing here is taking our students Molding them, forming them, shaping them, teaching them how to learn the Word of God, study the Word of God, deliver the Word of God. It's such an exciting thing to me to watch that being replicated in their lives. Oh, come on, folks, hear me. Your little becomes a lot in God. Your little becomes a lot. And through the years, God's used me in ways that I would never dreamed or imagined. Sent me places I never thought I would go. Because one day I knelt at an old-fashioned altar, and I said, God, if this is your will, I submit to you. I surrender to you, and I will follow you. Come on, folks, it's time to give your little and let him make it a lot. It's time to allow God to do something mighty in your life. Tom, come back, please. See, when we begin to give our life to God, we recognize that it's not about quantity. It's about quality. And obedience always exceeds abilities. Always exceeds abilities. So as we move into a new season, how do we walk? How do we live? What do we do? How do we plan? Number one, we remember God always sees the best in us. And he's going to pull it out if you will allow him to. Regardless of your objections or the objections of those who know you, God will pull it out. Matter of fact, when I was called in the ministry and I told my dad, who was a farmer in western Oklahoma, he laughed. Impossible. You're not a preacher. You'll never make it. Come back to the farm. You'll make it here. 
be laughed. And there will be some who laugh at you because they don't understand the power of God that's going to be activated in you when you understand obedience exceeds ability. God sees the best in us. Gideon allowed God to use him regardless of the conditions. So from that, I learned that the toughest times in our life can be the times that we experience the most growth in God. The toughest times, we flee from those, we run from those, we pray, God, deliver me from them. But do you realize that as he walks you through him, you grow in strength, you grow in power, you grow in authority, you grow in faith, and then you look back and say, look what the Lord has done in my life. We grow in those tough times. And then we learn that our private faithfulness determines our public usefulness. If Gideon hadn't said yes, God would have never used him. If Gideon hadn't been willing to obey in private, God would never have used him as the deliverer. He had to have a conversation with God. He had to get his personal relationship with the Lord right before he could be useful to anyone. It's only when our personal lives are in line with God's will that we can be the servant he wants us to be. Gideon answered. Gideon obeyed, Gideon trusted, Gideon waited on God, and we can follow the same pattern. Interesting note when you study the life of Gideon. What did they take to the battlefield, he and his 300? You know, he started with 32,000, God said, that's too many. So he said, anybody's afraid, go home, and 22,000 left. He had 10,000, and God said, that's still too many, because Israel claimed the victory. Take them down to the brook, and whoever picks the water up in their hand and laps it up like a dog. You keep those, send everybody else home. You know how many did that? 300. Do you know why I chose them in that way to sift and separate? Because it indicated that those who were doing that were watching. They were aware. They were a conscience. There was conscious that there was an enemy. And they didn't want to be taken by surprise. Oh, God wants to make you alert and aware of what's happening around you so that he can use you. When you read the story, and it just blows my mind because there's a 120,000 man army out on the plane before. Gideon had 300 men, with him it was 301. 300 men, and God said to him, bring your men together, give them a trumpet, give them a torch, and put the torch in a container. Then you surround the army, and in the third watch, about 2 a.m., you shout the, tr the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. You break the container over the torch. The light begins to shine. Then you pick up the trumpet, and you begin to blow. And when they begin to blow, notice, there's not even a mention of them taking a sword to the battlefield. Wow. No mention in Scripture of them taking a sword to the battlefield. No spear, no shield. A torch and a pitcher and a trumpet. You see, you may say, I'm not trained. I don't have the weapons. I don't have the ability. I'm telling you that God can use you in ways you never dreamed or expected if you will simply submit to Him. You may not need to be a trained warrior, but God will bring the victory. It's an amazing thing when you read that scripture of what God did. 
See, I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that in this room and online this morning and those who are watching in the future, God is going to raise you up today. He's going to fill you with the fire and the power of the Holy Ghost. He's going to tell you it's time to get off the sidelines and get on the battlefield. He's going to say it's time to pick up the trumpet of the Lord and raise high the eternal light of salvation and begin to declare God is able to do something in my life. Fear and doubt and unbelief will die this morning. The idols that you have carefully cultivated for years are going to be sacrificed today. God's going to do something in your life that's powerful and amazing. Stand your feet with me across this room. First, if you're here this morning, you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. That's where the power of God begins. That's where this relationship of God starts. All we have to do is acknowledge that He is the Son of God, that He died for our sins, that He rose again on the third day. Because the Bible says, when we confess, He forgives. And when we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, Believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead. We shall be saved. It's not complicated. It just requires obedience. Second category I'm talking to you this morning is folks in this room who have minimized your relationship with God and your fight in the battle because what you, of what you consider your inabilities, your lack of talent. So you've sidelined yourself, and all the time God is saying, you're a mighty warrior. You're a mighty warrior. You're a mighty warrior. Get in the fights. So as Tom begins to sing, if you're here this morning and you want to accept Christ as your Savior, begin a relationship with Him that will literally transform your life, you just step out and come. Meet me right here. I'm going to pray with you this morning. Second, if you need to get off the sidelines and in the battle, step out and come. We're going to pray for you. And church... If you want more of His fire, more of His power, more of His Spirit moving in you, then lift up the trump of the Lord this morning. Declare the sword of the Lord and of Gideon and watch what God does in your life. It's time, church, to step up, step out, and get on the battlefield. Come on, as others continue to come, respond right now as Tom sings. Come on, across this room, from the front to the back. From the risers to the corners, begin to come this morning. God's talking to you. If you need healing in your life, step out and come this morning. If you need deliverance, step out and come today. God is here to touch you. Come on, as he sings, come this morning. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.